Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. If it doesn't work, you're just not using enough. You're listening to Software Radio, special operations military news, and straight talk with the guys in the community. Hi, and welcome back to Soft Rep Radio. I am your host, Rad, and I have a wonderful guest today. But before I introduce my guest, I want to remind you to keep supporting us by going to our merch shop. That's right. You go in there and you buy these cool branded items from softrep.com for the Soft Rep Radio program, and it really helps keep the fireplace lit behind me. I also want to say go check out our book club, which is softrep.com forward slash book hyphen club, and just enroll in our book club. Check it out. Read a book. You know, brain food, man. A book is brain food, okay? Read a book, especially a band book. Now, without further ado, I have Dr. Melvin Stith, former U.S. officer, uh, Vietnam, military intelligence, Syracuse University, phdproject.org, on the show. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be with you today. Oh, you know, there's a whole story that I want to read about you right now, and I know that we started going through you know, getting everything all squared away. So let me pull that up real quick. And it tells a little bit about Dr. Stith's background. So let me pull that up real quick here. I had it. Okay, so here's what we're going to read. Dr. Stith served in Vietnam as a commissioned officer in the U.S. Army's Military Intelligence Corps after graduating from college. When he returned home, he enrolled in Syracuse University and earned his MBA and PhD in marketing from the Martin J. Whitman School of Management. He eventually served as dean of the school and in fall of 2022 received Syracuse University's Military and Veteran Award, the university's highest honor given to alumni who have served or are currently serving in the U.S. Armed Forces. Approximately 200,000 service members transition from the military service to civilian life each year. According to the Department of Defense, some veterans may experience difficulty finding civilian employment after leaving the service. 
Under Dr. Stith's leadership, Syracuse University became one of the premier campuses for veterans with its Office of Veterans and Military Affairs. So I was totally interested to have you on the show, you know, and I was would love to talk more about how, you know, how old were you when you joined the military? Well, I was uh, 21. I was an Army ROTC scholarship student uh, at Norfolk State University. So I received my commission through the Advanced ROTC program. And that was in 1968. And uh, I was commissioned as a second lieutenant then, actually in armor. I was at Fort Knox and got a call that said that uh, Lieutenant Stiff, you've been selected to help integrate the Military Intelligence Command and uh, pack your bags. You have to get out of here and go to Fort Hollaberg, Maryland to uh, the primary uh, intelligence school. So after a short stay, I think, waiting for the next class, I was reassigned to Fort Gordon, Georgia, the Civil Affairs School, and then on to Fort Hollaberg for the Military Intelligence Program. Can you tell my listener real quick, even explain, you know, educate myself, intelligence, right? We hear that. Some people say, does it really exist? But here you are in military. Like what style of stuff was military? We were, we were doing a, a lot of, of in the calendar intelligence part, we were doing a lot of just a basic security work on preparing uh, documents for people who needed uh, different type of security clearances. So whether it was, you know, military security or a top secret, we would do the background check on those individuals to make sure that they should uh, uh, get, you know, the appropriate uh, designation in terms of the security that they were having based on their position in the military. Hmm. That's a very important uh, role, you know? I mean, there's a lot of sensitive information that guys do need to see, but what if that guy can't see it, right? Yes. Jeez. You know, Jeez. Actually, you know, so if you're on the yeah, team... We actually worked in, in civilian clothes. We were not in uh, military uniforms because we were calling on people you know, trying to get information about the person that was being considered for uh, usually a top secret, a crypto top secret uh, clearance. You know, that makes, I've had people call me as an employer asking about people who have enlisted saying, hey, got some questions. Guy walks in with an envelope. Hey, I'm looking into this guy's background. That was us. <laughs> That's you. Okay, so I do know what you do. <laughs> well, lucky for them, I always tell my guys, I'm like, you know, you got to be nice to me. You don't understand because... <laughs> Someone's going to come looking into you. We take it very seriously because, you know, again, it's the security of the country at stake, depending on, yeah. on yeah. where you eventually find yourself and what you eventually find yourself doing at some military command or at some post or at some agency. Yeah, really. I mean, it's a serious thing. You got to know, you know, you got to have guys who have the uh, heart of the oath of classified information. Yeah, men and women, you know, we were men and women, exactly. opportunities in terms of 100%. having access to uh, what we were doing. And we treated, you know, regardless of, uh, uh, of sexual gender, uh, you know, the people the same way in terms of finding the appropriate information for the appropriate job. You know, in, in the sixties, when you were going to school, right, there was a lot happening in America changing around, you know, and, you lived through that, and and first of all, you know, wow, okay, and congratulations on living through everything that, you know, I I didn't live. I was born in '77. Yeah, well, it it was more interesting than that because in the '60s, and I grew up in the South, so yeah. you know there was segregation. There was segregated uh, K through 12 schools. My schools K through 12 was totally segregated. There were any uh, Caucasians or anyone else in my little hometown, but uh, African American kids in my K through, uh, not K, actually, we had no kindergarten because it was a farming community. 
first grade mm-hmm. through through high school. And then I went to a historical black college, Norfolk State University. Uh, very few uh, Caucasian students at that time was enrolled at Norfolk State University. So that's an all-black campus? It was an, basically at that time, yes. You maybe one. Yeah. One or two football players, the kicker or somebody might have been white, but uh, <laughs> basically it was, yeah, you know, 99.9% African-American. Yeah, you know, I don't know what that's like today, and, and yeah. I'm glad because, yeah. you know. Well, the campuses now are much more integrated, of course, you know, when even yeah. though they're still called historical black colleges because that's what they are, but the campuses are, you know, m- much more a reflection of, the, uh, of a global society because now you have international students come from all over the world. Uh, you know, Caucasian students, African-Americans, and, and African-American students now, you know, at, at majority institutions, as we see, especially every day on Saturday afternoon, if you look at a football game. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, the world is very different now in terms of, of higher education and where people go to school or choose to go to universities. And acceptance of one another as a human being. And acceptance of one another as a peer on their campus, yes. Exactly. Just as a peer, just as a straight individual. like Exactly. No, man. Bro. Yeah. Dude, I want to curse right now, but I'm not going to. I'm going to keep it real. I just want to say, like, look at the hell we're thinking, man. You know, what the hell? You know, and, and everybody who volunteers and fights for our country all the way through slavery to just, you know, fight for USA and, you know, and they, you know, willing to, to die for it. And we came in and took the land from natives uh, in the first place, you know, and then just said, this is our place. And, you know, I, I'm appalled at that past. I can't do I, I can only be a good steward of who I am today moving forward. Of what I have. But I think that's a really important point. You can't redo the past, but you want to make sure the past does not reoccur because those that's who correct. ignore history will have history to repeat itself. So our our job then is to be good stewards of the land, to be good stewards of what we do. And when we put on the military uniform, I think that's what people try to do. It That was their call to arms. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Yes. Now, once you put that uniform on, right, you go through college, all right, you put your head into the books, graduate, and here you are, you're in the United States military, boom, right? Back in, now you're integrated with everybody, correct? Exactly. And it actually was my really first major experience in an integrated community. And it was, it was fine. I, I don't remember any specific situations so much that only one was when 
I actually got moved to uh, Fort Garden to go to the military civil defense school while we waited to get the next class for the military intelligence school. African-Americans really weren't accepted because it was in uh, 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 where the uh, master's tournament is in Augusta, Georgia. That's where Fort Gordon was. I don't know if it's still uh, a viable post, but African-Americans really weren't invited to go to the master's tournament. And we went to the post and said, you know, these you know, white officers are going and we can't go. That can't happen. And, they, and to their credit, they shut it down. Uh. And said, Until all officers are invited, regardless of color of skin, then none right. of our folks can come. And they changed it, you know. But right, uh, we had to go did. and get that, you know, get that done because it was wrong. Right. So, and, and it, it was. was. Yeah, that is. But but uh, again, kudos to the commanders at Fort Gordon. They they understood the severity of that issue. You know, it's true. It, it, they have to like you know make a big move because there's a lot of like old schoolness that's still hanging over their head, and they're like, you know what? This is the new. This is the way. And they're willing to put themselves out there, you know, how I feel I would be. That's that same way. It's like, you, you know, I mean, everybody, you know, all the way from the uh, all black, uh, you know, uh, Air Force, uh, you know, red tails that fighting for the same flag, man. And 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 those guys were being told what they couldn't do and wasn't capable of doing, which is totally incorrect. Right. Right. Well, well, even in the movie, movie it depicts, depicts like the white bomber pilot looking over like, oh, these guys aren't going to last long. Exactly. They're going to be I'm like, bro, do you even? <laughs> surprise, when surprise, surprise, dude. Look, <laughs> at, look at the end results, you know? Look at the end results. The Tuskegee Airmen. Let's, Let's just say, say that. that. I, I said, said the Red Tails because they're airplanes have Red Tails. Yeah, but that whole operation, that whole squadron, and they took so much pride in what they were doing. But then when they came back to the U.S., feedback like they didn't care what they did because they weren't treated the same way and they weren't there then they weren't there yeah and they weren't there they didn't see that they had to go through hell and back to even get home to step back onto american soil right and then with all the same hate and rigmarole that was going along with whatever yes and sometimes even wear the uniform then save them from certain unfortunate situations I was hoping that's what would be the difference is that once you put that on, I've talked to other people yeah. like yourself who have always said it's always the U.S. in yeah. front of the Army or the yeah. Marines or the Coast Guard yeah. that makes us one, you know? Exactly. Right? You know, it's about the person next to you, man or woman. That's yeah. right. When you're in the heat of a battle, if you're in a, we used to say you're in a foxhole, wherever you were, you just wanted to make sure that person next to you was competent. You didn't care about the color of their skin. No. Because it was survival time. Right. And, and I'm saying, brotherhood, I love you. I love you. I love you. Oh, wow. Holy yeah, cow. We just like <laughs> made a moment. Yeah. You know, you know we, we just lived through something traumatic. traumatic. Life-changing in ministry. Exactly. Even even when you practiced to do that, you understood how significant of what you were doing. Because if the call to arm actually came, you had to be ready to respond to that. So, so you stayed in the military for how many years? I stayed it for four years. Well, because, see, I had a four-year commitment, so fortunate, when I went to advanced ROTC, I received an Army ROTC scholarship, so they paid for all of my college expenses the last two years, but it meant I had a four-year commitment. So I stayed in for the four years, and I was married by that time, and then I decided either I was going to stay in the military and make it a career, mm-hmm. or I was going to get out and go back to graduate school. And I got admitted to the University of Virginia, Virginia Tech and Syracuse University, and decided to go to Syracuse. And that's when I decided to, uh, you know, leave the military. Right. And just pursue the education and bring, 
you know, I call it war college. You go to the military, you do your two, four, six year stint. If you go for life, cool, doctor it all the way in the military. <laughs> you know, you come out of that knowledge, power, discipline. Yeah, I would have stayed in if I had not gotten, my wife did a lot of the work because I was actually in Vietnam when we were making that decision. She and another friend of mine, uh, they did a lot of the legwork for me in terms of applying to graduate schools and, you know, doing those kind of things for me because I was in Vietnam. But yeah, it, uh, if I hadn't done that, I would have made the military career. Did you miss her so much over there? Oh, you, you miss everybody because you're, you're isolated and you're living behind basically, uh, you know, wire fences until you're supposed to go out on patrol or go whatever you have to do. So you, you, you miss everybody. And, and, you know, remember then, we didn't have the Zoom. We didn't have the technology oh. that we had now. We had the APO letters that, you know, you would you would get once or twice my a week. My dearest wife. Yeah. <laughs> APO oh, San- I long to hold you in my arms. APO San Francisco. You never forget that as long as you live, you know. And when we tell people the story now, the young people, they kind of look at you like, huh? How did you survive? No, we didn't have the wonderful technology that you can be in touch regardless of where you are in the world. Like exactly. exactly. It was it was writing letters. Like, like back, back in 2009, 2009 I was talking to my friends in Afghanistan yes. at three in the morning. Exactly. On like MSN right. Yeah. Unfortunately, they were there, but you could still have that. You could hear their voices. Right. right. Or just talk channel. to them right then. Yeah. Every once in a while, you could get on a line, you know, the old lines and, and, and hear some. But that was so difficult to do. You had to get Icor on the phone and get me radar and send me a line out to my wife. Yeah. They're like, oh yeah, he's going home. They're gonna have a kid. <laughs> and then uh so uh you was so you come home and you start your family uh, you know, civilian style, and you're pursuing what kind of a degree? Is it a marketing oh, yeah, degree? Yeah, so I was married and actually we had a son already. And uh so I came to Syracuse University to get an MBA, my master's in business administration, and then to go to work at in marketing to go to work with, you know, some of the big consumer good firms from Procter & Gamma to Levy to the automobile industry to the beer industry. All of those folks were beginning to recruit me. But a professor stopped me one day and said, I think that you would make a great university professor. Why mm-hmm. don't you stay here and get your PhD? No, I'm not doing that. I'm going out and make me some money with my MBA and, and right. talk to my wife. She said, well, we're doing okay. Let's, let's try it. And I did, and it was really the best decision that I made to stay at Syracuse to get my MBA, my uh, MBA, then the, then the PhD. It's kind of a moment of like, why not me? Why not try it and then see if I can do it or not? And now you did it, and and you're successful and then, at it. And actually, then I, once we made the decision, like a week later, my wife said, "Like I got something to tell you, I'm pregnant with our second child." I said, "Oh no, I just decided to be a student." <laughs> Uh, how did that happen? She said, I have to have a long talk with you. <laughs> how did that happen? <laughs> but, you know, again, things work out in life. You you know, it did. Now, our daughter's just delightful to this day. She has our grandson. So, I mean, of course, yeah, she brings you that. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. She's all right with me. Yeah, right. She's our only grandchild. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but it was just, you know, the timing. And I, I tell students now, you can't always determine how things happen in life but just roll with what you want to do yes. things will work out you know so was there a time in school when you're like man i'm just tired of school and uh you know never i loved it i loved every day i loved every day being in school i loved the interaction with people i loved, syracuse was just a welcoming community the professors were great 
I never felt uh, overwhelmed. I never felt I didn't belong. I never felt that I had made the wrong decision that mm -hmm. I should bail out and take my MBA and go, you know, work for corporate America. Um, and then um, one of my assistantships, my assistantship was to work in the MBA office and, and help with students because I was older, being in military experience and all. And then the director left. And then I was writing my dissertation and the dean came and said, Melvin, you worked in that office. I need somebody to do this, run the graduate program for me for a year while we search for someone. You would be the perfect person. You can take as much time you need to write your dissertation, but you can do that. And it was the most wonderful thing. When I think of things and opportunities that happened to me in life, that goes to the top of the list because that set me on the course of wanting to be an academic administrator. Mm -hmm. And that led to me getting jobs as deans and things like that. But it started right back because the dean had enough confidence that I could run a graduate office while I finished my, my PhD and, uh, you know, so, allow the university time to search for the appropriate person to take the job permanently. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. So let's talk about that, right? So you're some. So let's say there's a veteran out there right now who's got a GI Bill, and uh, maybe they got schooling underneath their belt, right? So and uh, they should just hit up Syracuse University. Well, Syracuse University is one of the leading universities now for veterans. We have we have committed. Uh, we can get into that. Just the university. And I'm so proud of them. What they have continued to do. And Syracuse has always had a history of being involved with the military because in World War II, many of the young men who came to Syracuse were veterans. And so Syracuse built this huge veteran network many years ago. And 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 actually if you if you read the history of Syracuse, it was a veteran that made Syracuse a national university because they came back in numbers. In fact, the Chancellor's uh totally admitted so many veterans that some of the faculty uh, had a vote of no confidence in him that he was changing the nature of the campus. Yeah. And he survived that and they actually built housing. So when I came to Syracuse as a veteran, I went to the top of the list of my student housing, I had a two-bedroom apartment, and I only paid $50 a month and paid for a land telephone. They really took care of veterans. And and for, for years, even to this day, Syracuse was the place where military officers came to get their 
MBA in finance to go back to be finance officers in, in the middle. That program is still in the business in the Whitman School to this day. It, it's probably been there 50, 60 years. Mm-hmm. So Syracuse has always had a way. In, in fact, that's how I got to Syracuse because Syracuse knew how to get the information to me in Vietnam in addition to my wife that the University of Virginia, Virginia Tech, didn't know what to do. And Syracuse already had kind of like the way to do it. They had, had the way to do it. The military knew how to, how to do it because those officers, they were officers. And it's a change of duty station, just like they could have been anywhere else. And they, they said, we, we know how to do this. And they, they did it. And that's how I got to Syracuse and not like University of Virginia. Just because they were able to follow through. Because they were able to follow through. Yeah, exactly. Whereas Virginia Tech probably would like to have done it, but they didn't have a follow through process. Exactly. They didn't understand. Yeah. And by the time yeah, I got yeah, there, yeah. information, I had already accepted Syracuse. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. So, so you go, go to Syracuse. Syracuse. You've been an administrator. You've received the prestigious award that, you know, that's got to make you feel good. It was it was really great. But but what happened, I'll just leave it to this. I was in my office one day. I was been back, came back to Syracuse as dean. And a young faculty member came in and said, you know, you're a veteran. I'm a veteran. We have this wonderful entrepreneurship program. We're getting so many young men and women with disabilities coming back. We need to do something special for them because many of them can't work nine to five jobs. We should create a special program to help them become entrepreneurs. That's right. And I said, that is interesting. I said, Mike, we ought to do it. And then he laughed. He said, and I want it to be free for them. And we went out and raised the money to bring those young men and women to Syracuse University for two weeks period of time and then start a relationship with them so that they could go back and start their career as entrepreneurs. And that program has been overwhelmingly successful. That's what led to the whole idea of the, of the uh, Institute for Veterans and, and Families on campus that's grown into a multi-million dollar operation with a wonderful building that one of our uh, alone, Dan Danello and his wife, Gail, uh, made a huge donation to build a building just for veterans on our campus. It is a world-class building. And, it's, and it was- Well, that's nice that their philanthropy was able to be available. It was huge, yes. And that's it was all about deal. having people with disabilities to have a reason to want to get up every day and to work and to know that there were people that cared sure. about them. And that has just led to just this wonderful program at, at Syracuse University. And what a legacy they leave too by donating you know, to the housing and to the cause and to this whole built, yes, yeah, establishment. Exactly. And the building is built so much with people with disabilities in mind in terms of making the building very easy to access, mm-hmm. you know, throughout the building. That's, That's really cool. cool. Yeah, it's really, really, very few stairs, more ramps and stuff, you know, for people in wheelchairs or, or other kind of, it's just, it's, it's, it's an amazing program. Yeah, it's slow movers. Yeah, questions. and it started just with one person coming to me saying, we ought to do this. An idea. An idea. And And you listened. listened. And I listened and I said, let's roll. Let's Let's roll. roll. Yeah. I love it. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, I like it. I mean, I'm happy that that's that's what happened. Exactly. And the same thing happened with the PhD project. We we didn't think that there were, it wasn't designed so much for veterans, but veterans are now taking advantage. We didn't think there were enough people of color teaching in business schools. Right. So we said, look, let's go out and tell people, because most People think if they get that MBA, they can go out and live happily ever after, make a lot of money. They never thought about getting the PhD. And we started saying, let's try to change this model. Some of these people might not want to be in corporate America working for a big nonprofit. They might want to come back to get a PhD and stand in front of the classroom and teach business instead of 
you know, being a manager every day. And that happened too, and it had led to a huge success. We have more than quadrupled the number of people of color now teaching in business schools across this country. Oh, yeah. I, I, it's huge. You have, you know, uh, Hispanic, African-American, Native American. Yes. And, and a lot of people had never even thought about that they should do this before the PhD project. And when they come to the conference, we explain all the information, how you can do it, when you can do it. And it has just been overwhelmingly successful, much more successful than I think that all of us, Bernie and Tara and all of us who who, who were there from the beginning thought that it would mm-hmm. be. Uh, and, and, and here it is. Paulo, Paulo, people like that, yes. How old are you today? I am 77 years old. 77. So you've seen it grow. Yes, yes. Wow, like a child. Like I, we, see, we birthed it, you know? Yes, we birthed it from a meeting in Montclair, New Jersey, Brandon Milano at KPMG, Montville, New Jersey. And the first night of the meeting, and we were going home that night, we were the last plan to get out of New Jersey because it was snowing so bad. <laughs> but we all got home. But we, we always laugh about that, you know. But it has yeah. grown and it continues to grow to this day and have an yeah, impact that- to this day. Well, we're going to try to give it a shout out right now on this show and just make sure that, you know, phdproject.org. I think it's phdproject.org. Just, if you just Google PhD Project, everything will come up, all the information. And the thing about that, again, too, if you're selected to come to the conferences, the conference is free. And then uh, the universities come and have a, uh, a like a job fair. So most of the leading in PhD programs are there. So you can talk to schools if you're in California, you want to talk to the schools in California, they're there. If you're in Florida, in New York, the different, or if you want just to talk to school in other parts of the country to have a different experience, most of the major uh, PhD programs are there for a job fair that you meet key people that you can start, you know, contacting when you want to apply to those programs. Who's your ideal candidate right now if they're listening? What are you looking for? The ideal candidate is someone who wants to get a PhD and is willing to put in the time and effort to do that. You, you can be as young as a reaching college graduate, or you can be 40 years old. So one person at the meeting, I'll tell you this, said, uh, and I was at the mic, he said, I am now 40 years old. I get a PhD, I'm going to be 45. I said, well, in five years, you can be 45 whether you have the PhD or not. Right. So if you want the PhD, do it. So there's no ideal candidate. The ideal candidate is the person who's willing to commit maybe four or five years to uh, study and then writing to get the PhD and then go out on their own and build their own brand and their own career. And that, I think that's the beauty of it. You know, you don't, you don't have to fit a certain mold to say I can be part of this. You bring the mold and what you want to do. And that's the beauty of being in the, in the academy and being a college professor, a university professor. You build your own mold. You build your own, own, own kingdom what, on the teaching you want to do, the research you want to do. And, and, and then you move forward on your own. And you're going to have mentors. I mean, we now have all types of mentors because we've been in the business, I think, for over 25 years. The PhD project has been around for over 25 years. So there are mentors everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, everybody can give you some help and some advice. Yeah. Yeah, and with all of the knowledge combined, it's hundreds of years of experience. Hundreds of years, and, you, and, and it's an annual conference, so you have people. And it's also now a segment about discipline. So there's a marketing group, there's a finance group, there's an accounting group. So if you're in accounting, you know that there are people you can just send an email or, or a message and say, uh, hey, I need to talk with you. Right. And, and and people respond. So the bond is, is just tremendous. So let's let me ask you this. You would probably be in your best interest to at least have a bachelor's degree to apply for this. Oh, you do have to have at least a bachelor's degree, yes. 
you know, so you've had to have some school. Yeah, oh, yeah. On. Uh, okay. That, that's a good point. Yes. You have to have at least a bachelor degree. Mm-hmm. But one of the myths was you don't have to have an MBA or master's degree to apply. That's what I was picking up because you said about a five or six year commitment. You can be yeah. as young as you want to be or as old as you want to be, depending on how you want to spend the next, say, maybe uh, four or five years of your, of your life. That's more the key than how old you are. What did you, you write, write your dissertation, dissertation on? Uh, it was about uh, consumer behavior and consumer spending patterns, how people decided to use their discretionary money. And we did a comparative study on what African-Americans would buy versus what uh, other people would buy. And, you know, so... Was it a big difference? Yeah. No. You know. Everybody needs toilet paper. Yeah, everybody needs toilet paper. <laughs> but, but people do have preferences. Sure. You know, that's what we talked about, uh, 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 preferences. Yeah. Right. right. So, so my, my father, father, former Green Beret, he had a master's degree in business and human resource management. And so I feel like this would have been right up his kind of alley... He was studying for his doctorate before he passed, too, by the way. So, you know, a consistency. That's why I was excited to have you on. Plus, there's that nom love, dad, quote unquote. <laughs> you know? Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Now, when you were in the army, did you wear like the ERDL uniform? Do you, you remember? remember? What is it? No, I don't know. It, what I like this pattern right here. In the, we we were in the in the military. Uh, we were basically greens, uh, greens, and then the, yeah. we had uh, the uh, green khaki uniforms. The khaki uniforms were the green khaki uniform was basically the dress of the day, and uh, then you could dress up in in greens. And then we used to call them then the dress blues. They were for special cases, but now they're more of an everyday wear. The military has really changed, you know. Yeah, they went back to those. those uh, yeah, but we we wore, you know, too. we were the we had the traditional military khakis. Yeah, you know, uh, cotton khakis, and then in the winter you had the uh, wool kind of heavier coats. But nothing camouflage just yet. No, we weren't. No, we didn't. We didn't get to real into any any, any camouflage kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was my. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. No. PhDproject.org. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah, it's just really growing people and just making them to be PhDs. And to, and and what we started with the conference that people come to because they give you a sense of, of belonging, but it also tells you whether you want to do it or not because we don't 
sugarcoat it. We tell you what to expect. And, and we right. tell people, if you walk away saying it's not for me, then you have made a life decision on what you want to do and what you want to be. And you take then getting a PhD off your plate and you go back to work for, you know, for a corporation or a nonprofit or what you want to do. But then it's for you. You said, okay, you know, I want to fill my plate by becoming a PhD. Right. And you'll probably want them to stay within the, maybe the university too. It's like, Hey, there's going to probably, you know, and that is another thing that I think that's a really good point is that, we are really trying to prepare people to become university professors. We're not trying to, and you can't always tell people what to do, but we're not just trying to get people to get a PhD because they want to be a consultant and have a PhD behind their name. Our primary goal and primary mission is to continue to integrate the head of the classroom with people of color. Yes. You know? So so that's the goal. And we tell people up front, if, if you're in this to become just a consultant with a PhD, we, we really don't want you to take a slot, but you can do it on your own, you know. Um, but then, right, of course, chase that. Yeah. But you would like to try to keep that pool, uh, you know, full for the program. Yeah, because yes. there's never enough people to fill these positions across the United States. And um, and some people even maybe even I should say globally, if they choose to do that, that we need that person in front of the classroom. Uh, you really made a big, cool program happen. Yes. 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 And that's. Commendable. It's been, it's been a, it was it was it was wonderful from the beginning. I bet people are looking at me like you're talking to a rock star, Rad. Recognize it, you know, like and I'm like, you know, no, and I'm just like, you're a father, you know, and a PhD and a, and a professor. I get it. I'm just a country boy trying to make it. That's all. Country boy who's made it, right? I think that if you were to leave today, this earth, you could leave with a smile in your soul, knowing that you've left such an awesome, badass legacy and oh, helped, helped. helped. You just help. Well, that's that's that is true. I, I mean, I have to admit that because yes. I've gotten certain recognitions and things that make know that you've had a tremendous impact on a number of people, and and that is very rewarding. It's, it's a, a mentor thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and you have mentored so many. I mean, right now I'm just I'm like, what do I say to him? He's a rock star, you know. He's it's like you want to talk about marketing and business strategies. It's like you know, I wanted to know what you wrote on. I love marketing. I've worked in radio, television, you know, that kind of marketing. You know, if you haven't been on radio, you need to be. <laughs> and here we are, still on radio. Still on radio, which is wonderful, yes. Right. right. But the days have changed, right? Let's talk about that marketing, right? The days have changed where you used to find the static dial and set it on your jams, and then the same advertiser would always be able to repeat to you. Today we and, have... And, yeah, because oh. the list, listenership now is much more diverse, and, mm-hmm. and because... One of the things that's fascinating to me is because you have so much at your fingertip, you don't have to listen to the commercials if you don't want to anymore. Exactly. You even pay for commercial free. You can be commercial free. That's why more and more, you know, people are trying to paste stuff when you open up a site. The first thing you see is a commercial or something, you know, before you can get to get to you or get to to other people because they have to respond to the changing environment. Right. Because, I mean, if I could I could tape your show and just blast through if you had commercials and not ever listen to one man i do it <laughs> i'm like okay back to the show you know i don't need that one <laughs> no, no offense advertising no, listen, but, but, but they understand that my heads are in the trenches here man i'm 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 bringing the talent they, but they understand <laughs> they find numerous ways to to get you to 
hear about their products to hear about their services. So, well, like on um, some of these big streaming so services, they, they stream it. They do different things yep. now. Oh, so yeah. they have they have adjusted well. You can tell them about the cost of what people pay now to be on a streaming service or you know on, on certain shows, high power shows like yours. So, well, now they have like digital billboards all over the place where you can just pay like eight cents, yeah, for a ten second blip. You know, and, and, and the average person driving on the freeway takes like seven to thirteen seconds to read a billboard. So if you have something like a word, yeah, but then you want to go back to well, what was that? What was yeah, that exactly. about? See, so it, it it whets your appetite to say, okay, I missed it this time. What were they really talking about? And so they, mm-hmm. so the next time you see, it, you might pay attention. See, and that's part of of the way to get people to to actually at some point pay some attention. And that's why they're so quick now because they wanted just to, to plant a seed for you to come back to say, well, what were they really about? What were they really exactly. doing? What were the product? What were the service? We call that keyword spamming. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. So my, my business here, I just have one word and it says airsoft. See, yeah, and every time somebody, somebody drives by it, they see 30,000 cars. Right. And then they might go like, home and Google it. They don't know what it is. Right. And then they come in. I'm like, I always ask everybody, how come you're here? Yes. I ask everybody that because I'm so I'm like and they're like oh I just saw your sign about forty times and I finally came in from work yeah exactly I'm like there we go yeah you know oh on the internet or you know saw a YouTube video I love I love to dive down and dive deep on how did you get into my store to be right yes that's, that's correct, correct yeah a hundred percent it's the marketing in me well yeah, because I'm guerrilla marketing market. yes exactly at the, at its finest like right now I'm talking about my airsoft shop. See, it's just guerrilla marketing. Getting the word out. And that's what you that's want right. people, exactly. Right, because if you want to play war games in Utah, I'm your huckleberry. You come find me, and then I take care of you. Or anywhere. I got friends all over the place. You want to play in Nevada? Look these guys up. But, you know, it's that kind of marketing that, you know, people in. aggressive. Recruiters need exactly. to do that with the military. Yes. Yeah. Not so bold. You know, like, hey, you the military, you know, speaking of recruiting, is really having a tough time. Yeah. Do you think it's branding? Do you think it's marketing? What do you think is... Well, military personnel. I, I just think the demographics are there. You know, and uh, remember, and for instance, when I was back in college, the first two years of ROTC was mandatory at a land-grant institution. That doesn't happen anymore. Mm. You know, uh, I, and I the largest age in terms of demography has passed through the system. We don't have the big demography groups coming at 17, 18s anymore. You know, it's a smaller, smaller pool to to uh, try to recruit people to, to join us join us. And I'm not sh- sure, and again, I don't, I don't know, so I'm probably speaking out of term. I don't know how well the militaries are really marketing the skill set and changing to, to what they really need to suit what they need to do and how innovative they are in terms of so what they'll say to a kid is look okay you take the test all right you failed it so you can't get in well maybe and i've seen a couple of these they're beginning to do this let's say some of the kids well we're going to put you in kind of a boot camp to have you improve some of the skills that you need to be in the military for what we need and we're going to invest in you and if you and if you you do this, then you'll move into a military, you know, uh, position. So the military mm-hmm. is going to have to invest some money up front to recruit people 
to to come to be part of that military community rather than saying either you're in or you're out. You know? Right, right. You, you know, know a little well, I mean, that's, even, even you know, they want you just to kind of run. run. Yeah, you know, just say, okay, you, you, you pass the test and you're in. Well, and as I and I told some people, especially with the young African-American kids in the STEM areas with the military, when I was the interim president at Norfolk State, and the Coast Guard tried to hire these kids in the Navy, was trying to get these kids to go to the advanced Navy program. I said, look, you're competing against some of the world corporations that's paying these kids six figures right out of undergraduate school, and you want them to be on a ship underwater for six months. That right. ain't happening. You know, unless you change what you're doing, how you how you're gonna go about and what you're gonna invest in these these young people. You might get one or two, but you're not gonna get a big quarter because you can't compete with the microns and and you know the other uh big now with all the IT stuff, oh, yeah. uh, AI stuff coming and all these exciting new careers coming with these kids from the same area. Who, who are, are recruiting, recruiting them? them. Yeah, who are recruiting already. them already. And, and and they recruit so what when I remember I talk about investment, so what do yeah. they do? They take these kids as sophomores or juniors, and they give them what they call internships. But that's just a pre-recruiting deal. That's exactly right. That if you do well, when you finish your undergrad degree, they're going to hire you. The military doesn't do anything like that. You take the test, and either you fail it, and you go on your way, or you you pass, and then we might talk to you. Well, they haven't invested anything up front to have that person pass the test. Exactly right. Stuff like that, right? So they, they have to be a lot more proactive up front. They're just waiting for somebody to walk through uh, a recruiting door and say, I want to join the Army or the Air Force, Navy, Marines, or, or Coast Guard. You ain't going to get the numbers. No. Right. right. No? Yes, yeah. yeah, it's not so much. It's it's like, how are you competing in the career field? Exactly. And, 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 and who is really your competition? Yes. Because you do have competition because it is a career field. You could be... 20, 30 years, and you can go all the way to 65 years old in the military if you have a great career. If that's what you choose to do. Exactly. Yeah. So the military needs to kind of groom maybe this 17-year-old who they say, hey, your math score sucks, you're out, and say, hey, you know what? We have like a Army, Army math, math program. program. And, and try to show them some career paths. You know, and, and extending the olive branch, branch to them. them. Exactly. Say, hey, we are here for you. We're not just going to sweep you out. And you're going to have a good career path. That's correct. And, and, and tell the person how, how they envision if certain things happen, it playing out for, for, for you to become, you know, an E6, E7 or, or a colonel or, or maybe even a flag officer. Right. You know, and so, I mean, if that kid's out there thinking, well, hey, I can either go work over here for $30 an hour or work in the military for 10 bucks an hour plus clothing housing and maybe live on a submarine. And then I'll equate the importance of, 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 of those survival things that you need, like uh, food, shelter, and health benefits, right? And right, because right, young people don't calculate that into what they think they no. need to be to live initially. No, they just want to go out and buy the flash and get it and have it. And then they're like, oh, I owe on it six years later. They have access to finances and access to cash. That's right. And, and I'm not saying it has to be you know, it doesn't have to be like a general salary for a private, but it has to be competing. It's somewhat competing, like. yes, because you're competing against other people. And it's also That's the good. freedom and flexibility that you have because the military, you know, you're going to have some rules and regulations that you have to follow. Uh, but if I'm not in the military, I have a little more freedom, personal freedoms. Because you do give right. up some personal freedom to be part of a team in the military. Because the Patriot, let's talk about the Patriot out there. They're going to join. You're not going to 
make them enough money to do with that job. It's the guy that's like, I need to go to a career and I want to work sonar or air traffic controller. You know, you may have a civilian air traffic controller who could go military air traffic controller. What are you going to do to entice that guy? At least be national guard in, in the system to help out. I mean, you know, air traffic controllers. If you're out there, you want to be an air traffic controller, hit them up, tell them Rad sent you. Best place to start to get the training and experiences in the military. Exactly. Flying planes all over the world. Here I have 19-year-olds coming into my airsoft shop wanting to play war games. And I'm like, what are you going to do with yourself? He's like, I want to fly uh, a commercial. I was like, I was like, he said commercial. I said, can you go to the military? He's like, no, I'm just doing a civilian program to learn how to fly commercial. But you could commit to the military and get through all of that and still get that experience. And, and you don't have to pay for it. He's right. paying for that, that, he that pilot training program he has in, in the private marketplace. I don't know what something like that costs. And I bet you someone in his school that's teaching him is former military. I, I have a funny feeling. <laughs> I have a hunch that that would be. Exactly. Something tells me he's flown some rubber uh, dog doo-doo out of Hong Kong or something. You know, that guy. Some top gun quote. <laughs> You two guys. Yes. <laughs> now you're going to go run the school. Now you're going to run the school, yes. <laughs> Get that good military training. Exactly. And uh, shoulder-to-shoulderness. You know, there's nothing like that. And and it also has taught you how to be part of a team. That's how right. To be, how to deal with people, again, from diverse environment, because we know in the military, people come from all walks of life, which is wonderful. Well, as a manager yourself, you know it's about surrounding yourself with good people to make you look like a good manager. That's what happens, yes. 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 Yeah. So yeah, so you do as they do. People working for you that's smarter than you because they, they're going to make you smarter. That's, that's right. right. Yeah. Like, like I just got, got smarter off this interview. interview. No, you're, you're very kind. So. Oh, oh, stop. stop. You're very kind. Really interesting. Yeah. So. You know, I, I've had you for a good 45, 45 minutes talking about, you know, the phdproject.org, talking about how you uh, grew the Syracuse University, uh, you know, diversity program for PhD, I mean, phdproject.org. I love your pictures on your wall. And yes, I just want to let you know that. And I hold you in the highest regards of that. Oh, well, I appreciate it. Yes. Actually, uh, the lady was actually, my wife worked at an actual here in graduate school. The, the lady, uh, actually, that was paid by a prisoner. Is that right? The Martin Luther King picture, my wife yes. was in the audience and he was on the stage. This is an amazing picture. If you can see it. It is. And he's so young, and he's just chilling. Well, the guy sitting next to my wife said, I'm going to take this picture of Martin Luther King. Because I think he was waiting to speak. And if it, when it comes out, I'm going to give you one. That's the way that picture came out. Amazing. Yeah, he's just chill. It's just like... It's, it's, it's so... It's like, is there things he stood for, right? Yeah. And, and so the, uh, it's a picture that the, my wife has one. The guy kept one. And the one is at the King uh, Center in Atlanta. Those are only oh, three wow. of that pictures. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's it. So it's even on display. Yeah. 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 I just wanted to mention that to you in the background. So, yeah, you're very welcome. Glad we, we moved in here. Too. <laughs> 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 I see a dining room table. <laughs> see, it works. I have my iPad in the dining room. Yeah. No, no, no. This works. This is great, you know? It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's one of my favorite rooms. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought the show to the room here where we could display those wonderful pieces of art. Okay. Of huge, you know, the computer will work better. It will. Yeah, <laughs> it, it has. That's the truth. Yes, it has. And and you've been wonderful, Doctor Melvin Stith of the United States Army Officer 
military intelligence. Now you're a dad and a grandpa. Army. <laughs> Let's go army. Let's go army. That's right. My dad agrees with me right behind yeah, me on the, the flag. May you yeah. rest in peace, but he, he has it right. Exactly. That's right, sir. That's yes. right. So with that said, I'm going to say go support our merch. I would do that. Go yes. check the book store out for any of my listeners. I would do that, and yes. On behalf of Dr. Stiff and myself and Syracuse University, go Check Syracuse U. program for the young men and women getting out. Look at Syracuse. It's a great place to continue your education. You're going to find one of the most supportive environments. And if not, I'll say the most supportive in the U.S. Uh, Academy. And That's that my be, story. That'll be broken down yes. in, in the bottom of the, the uh, website so people can click on it. Right. Just, just go straight to the website. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So we'll have that all set up. Oh, great. We we'll appreciate it. And, and thanks, thanks to William, William for coming to help yeah, me with your William, tech. William bailed me out. Yes, we were shout out to William, anyway, but he he made it quicker. Yes, <laughs> and I'm going to give a shout out. I think to Pat. I heard you say Pat. Yeah, Patricia's my wife of 53 years. I think we should give her a shout out yeah, one more time. Yeah, she kissed on that face of yours. She did all the hard work for me to, <laughs> to get to Syracuse University. I told her the first day I saw her, I'm going to marry you one day. Yeah, what's up? And it it worked out. You're a determined individual. I I know what I want. That's, that's what's up. That's what's I up. love it. Exactly. You've, You've been, been a, a very, very well. You've charming. been a wonderful host, and in the future, reach out to me if, if you think I can be helpful at all. Just, I would love that. It was really been. I'm, it's always a pleasure first to talk about the PhD project. It means so much to me, and as well as Syracuse University, and especially the Veterans Program. I can. I already know. And same here. I'm so excited to have you on, and thank you for making me fit on your schedule on this beautiful Sunday, right after Veterans Day. So happy Veterans Day it, to you. It, it was great, yes. It, but we had a great re- Veterans Day uh, series of activities here in town. I'm, I'm sure, sure. I'm sure. sure. If, if you, you were, were there, there, it was a, it was yeah, a rock star show. show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you take care of yourself, Barry. You too, Dean. Thank you so much. And on behalf of all of us here at SoftRep and the Dean, I'm saying peace. You've been listening to Soft Rep Radio. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.